Welcome to Business Talk Sister Talk. I'm Becca. And I'm Ruthie. And today we have with us Tim Fitzpatrick. And he is going to tell us about uh, what he does. So I'm not going to spoil it for you, but I will say that he has a lot of business experience. He has so many different things that he's done in his life, but what he's doing now is what he's going to tell us about and how he got there. So what do you do, Tim? First off, Becca, Ruthie, thanks so much for having me. Super excited to be here. Um, what do I do? I own a marketing agency at this point, and we, we help service businesses primarily just simplify marketing so that they can grow with less stress. And we do that by creating and implementing a plan to communicate the right message to the right people. So we get involved with a mix of what I call done for you. So they just want us to do it for them or done with you where it's marketing coaching. So we get involved in digital marketing, marketing consulting and strategy work, and then marketing coaching. Wow, that's awesome. Okay, so there's a lot there, uh, but why did you start with with what you're doing now? So how did I, like with marketing in general? Um, kind of more like your, your heart behind it or what was um, your why behind yeah, it? Yeah, why do we do it? Yeah. So the, our vision really is just to have a positive lasting impact on the businesses that, that we touch. Some of those are going to be businesses that we don't even work with, right? We're putting out content. We're just, we want to impact and help people get to where they want to go. So, you know, with marketing, so many businesses are just, they're battling information overload. There's just so many different marketing channels now than there used to be. And every week we're being bombarded with, you know, a new tactic from some new guru. And it's just, it makes people feel overwhelmed. And when you're overwhelmed, you just can't, you can't do anything. Yeah. But I believe that marketing, it shouldn't be difficult. It is for a lot of business owners, but that's really, we just, we want to make it simple, take out the complexity so that you can actually market and grow your business. Because if you don't have marketing, bringing in leads and customers, you can have the best product or service in the world and none of it matters. So marketing is so, so important. What kind of brought you to that point? Were you in marketing your whole life or you just kind of stumbled upon it? No. Uh, so I, my entrepreneurial journey, like most, has not been a straight path. It's been kind of a winding road. But I, the first business I was a partner in was a wholesale distribution company. I got involved in that right after um, college. We were, we were selling consumer electronics into what we called the custom installation market. But So we were selling to contractors that were installing home theater systems, distributed audio in, in homes, either custom homes or they were working with production home builders. Um, and, you know, I grew that business for, it was close to 10 years. We grew about 60% a year on average. Wow. And then we sold that business in 2005. And I worked for the company that bought us for another three years. And I got out and I got in real estate, um, residential real estate after that. I had always been interested in real estate. I was like, hey, it's time to do something different. Got into real estate. That was in the, you know, 2010 timeframe. And, you know, most people would say, God, that's a horrible time to get into real estate, Tim. Uh, <laughs> but I've always been the type of person that felt like real estate, uh, that there's opportunity in every market. And in that market, there was opportunity to help people get out of foreclosure. And so I started doing a lot of short sale business, you know, rather than foreclosing, 
We list the house, we sell it for less than it was worth, and the bank gives the homeowner approval to do that. And, you know, so I, that's how I grew that business. But man, I hated it. I just, I didn't like what I was doing every day. And I finally reached a point where I like, you know, I'd wake up in the morning and go, oh my God, I have to do this all over again. And that was such a stark contrast to when I was in the distribution business because I felt like I never worked. I just loved it. And when I reached that point, I said, man, I have to do something different. And so that's when I started looking at what, what else I could do. And at the time, mobile apps were becoming really, really popular. And so when I initially started Rialto, we were solely focused on mobile applications. But about three years in, Apple made some pretty drastic changes in their app publishing guidelines that made me realize that I was very vulnerable to the policies of Apple and Google, and that was not a good place to be. So I, we shifted and pivoted. And that's when we got into offering much more comprehensive marketing services where we could really be an outsourced marketing partner for, for a business. And that's where we are today. So as you can see, that was not a very straight path, was it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when you started getting into um, technology and you're looking at, oh, I want to be in marketing, what was the first thing you set out to accomplish? Was it to build apps or what were what was your goal that you're like, this is what I'm going after? We were initially, we were just going to build apps for for businesses and organizations. So a lot of our business initially was actually in the K-12 education space. Um, so we were working with elementary schools, middle schools, high schools, and they were using their apps as a communication tool with their, with their community. You know, because most of the time, you know, if you got kids, you're trying to figure out what's on the lunch menu, you go to most school websites, they're a disaster, especially if you try to access it on your phone. So they're using mm -hmm. their app as a way to communicate with their, with their stakeholders and make it easy for them. You know, and so that's where, how we initially grew that business. Yeah. So then when you had kind of mentioned how you were kind of at the mercy of Apple and Google. So when you started out with this business, what were the potential risk factors like from either from a financial perspective or even with your family and stuff, too, as you're kind of diving into this? What were those risks that you were able to identify right away? Well, I mean, I think the biggest risk, which is the risk that most of us run into when we start a business is, is this going to work? Right. And if this if this doesn't work, what's going to happen? Yeah. Um, you know, am I going to be successful or am I going to fail? And, you know, so for me, that was the biggest risk. You know, I mean, my, I don't, my wife, you know, she knew that I was an entrepreneur when we met. I've always been that way. So she's been always super supportive. And, you know, so that aspect of it has always been has made it a lot easier for me. I think as an entrepreneur, if your family's not on board, you, you're going to have a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. I've never had that problem. So I feel very fortunate. So, you know, when I got in, the biggest risk was, can I make this work? Um, and as I started getting into it, you know, I've, again, since I was focused really strictly on mobile apps and I was focused on a very niche market, the K-12 education space, I knew exactly what I needed to do. It made it a whole lot easier. Um, unfortunately, as I got into that market, I realized, well, one, that, it was, that I was vulnerable because I was in that app space, 
But I also got to the point too, where after I got some experience, I was like, man, I know we can help these schools, but this is, this is really difficult. I don't know if I want to be in this space long-term. And that's when we, that's when we started to shift gears pretty dramatically. So what would you say has been the biggest obstacle you've had to overcome in that, in the, either through the process of transition or just in, in your business in general, where you're like, yeah, we did this and I've been so proud of it. Yeah. The biggest obstacle for me was that transition from solely offering mobile apps and really being in a very niche market to, okay, we're going to offer much more comprehensive services and start working with more small businesses. And for us specifically, it was more service-based businesses. How the heck am I going to do all this? You know, because you start to look at digital marketing. I mean, website design, content marketing, SEO, social media, there's all these things. You can't possibly do every single one of those things well. So how was I going to be able to offer those things and do it well and help customers get results? That was a big obstacle and it took some time to work through that. So when you first started, you had, did you start with a team or was it just you? And what did you need to like basically start off in technology to do app development and then you transition? What, What were the pieces in place? With app development initially, it was just me. I did have a partner at the time who was helping with some of the stuff. He had, he had some design skills and, and more of the technical side of it than I did. So he helped with that. And I was spending most of my time going out and finding new business. So that, that worked out pretty well. As, as, we, as we transitioned, he got out. It wasn't a good fit for him. I started doing a lot of the stuff myself and then I had to find, I had to bring people on or find partners that I could rely on to help me. Cause again, I couldn't do it all. What I'm good at is the fundamental part of it. The strategy work, you know, your target market, your messaging, putting a plan together. I'm good at that. And then what we now do is we put the rest of those, the backend pieces together and manage that for the client so that they have one point of contact, you know, because most small business owners, I think struggle with marketing because they're one, they're trying to manage it themselves and they don't really understand exactly what needs to happen. But oftentimes too, they're working with two or three different marketing providers and there's a huge communication breakdown and you really need somebody that's a single point of contact that's championing that overall plan. Yeah, to really have that cohesive message. I, yes, I to have, have some cohesiveness and, and some direction as to actually what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah, so when you first started out, like you had, you mentioned like SEO, which is search engine optimization for those who don't know, uh, and then like social media. And so when you, like, how did you kind of spearhead that? Like you're like, right now we're just going to go for social. And then you kind of got good at that and then said SEO, or you just kind of went for it all at once with those. So what I actually did was I, when I started looking at the different services that we were going to provide, I said, look, I can, I can start reaching out to people and try and make connections because it's very common in the marketing, you know, agency or marketing consulting world for, most businesses don't do everything in-house. They work with other companies to fulfill some of their services. So I might reach out to an SEO company and say, hey, I've got a marketing consulting business 
and we, we're looking for an SEO partner. Do you guys do that type of stuff? How would that relationship look like? You know, how would we work together? That's a very common. And so I said, look, I could do this work and you know, it may take me six to 12 months to work some of these relationships or I'm, maybe I can find somebody else, some other company that already has some of these things in place. And so what I actually came across and I had been getting this information for a while, but I had been getting information from a guy by the name of John Jance, who's with duct tape marketing. He had a consultant network already in place. And so I actually became a certified duct tape marketing consultant within his network. And they have one, they have a lot of systems and documentation in place about how to run a marketing agency, how to run your business. They had a lot of tools in place. So they allowed me to hit the ground running much faster than if I had, would have done it myself. Right. So I didn't have to reinvent the wheel mm -hmm. and they all already had a lot of relationships in place that I could take advantage of. I also had a network of other consultants like myself. Well, we all have strengths and weaknesses and, and it's not uncommon for people to partner within the network when they need help. So it, it gave me a team of people that I could rely on when I needed it. And I didn't have to figure out all this stuff myself. Yeah. So speaking of, of figuring out all that stuff by yourself, one thing Becca and I both have a, a background in digital marketing and it seems like because there's things that are always changing all the time, you could really spend all of your time in research and development. So um, in how you've progressed as a company from, from start to now and even moving forward, how do you prioritize what things to research and development and what things are a waste of time? See, so that's where the network comes into play. And that's also where I honestly, I don't spend a lot of my time on that. I rely more on the network that I'm a part of and following people that I think have a really good pulse on the market, where it's going, what's happening. You know, I don't, I don't need to spend a lot of my time on that. I'll rely on other people that I think have a really good pulse on that. And then I just stay in front of it. And what are they talking about? Where are they seeing things going? And then I'll take that information and figure out, are there things, are there shifts or, or new additions or things that we need to change within our business and what we're doing based on what they're seeing? Wow. I think, yeah, I think that's really good because it um, just shows that you're still being paying attention to what's going on in the industry, but you're, you're really tapping into those resources and those expertise of those people who are already putting in all the effort for that. I think the, that's really cool. You know, it's like we talked about before, there's too, there's too much going on in marketing and it's changing all the time. That's one of the things I love about it is it's very dynamic, but you can't possibly, you know, now we're talking, there's all kinds of things popping up about, you know, AI and, and voice search, man, I, I I could spend hours looking at all those things and still not really have a pulse on it. There's so many, there's other people that know those specific spaces much better than I do. I might as well take advantage of their knowledge and their expertise and then figure out how we need to incorporate what they see coming into our business. Leveraging other people's knowledge. I yes. love doing that. Yes. <laughs> So when you were uh, growing your business, um, 
How how has having employees allowed you to diversify? But then within, I have two questions there. When did you decide, yeah, I need more employees? Or how do you go about making that decision when you're like, this is when we need more capacity? Yeah, so a couple things there. One, right now, I don't, I don't have any employees other than myself, but I have full-time contractors that work remote. So I have, right now I have a, I have a client support and project manager that lives in Croatia. I have a website designer and a, just a general design guy that lives in the Philippines. And then I have another guy in the Philippines that does a lot of content stuff for us. He's doing a lot of our social media stuff. Um, he wears a number of different hats, but so they're not employees but they work for me full-time and I pay them for full-time work. Um, for me, it was one, I've always realized you can never scale a business and do everything. So if you wanna, if you wanna build a business that gives you freedom of time and that you can scale, you have to figure out how you can start to take yourself out of processes and so that the business can run without you. Because if it runs, if it requires you to be there all the time, all you've really done is create yourself a job. Okay. And so that's easier said than done. It takes time to do that, but you have to start hiring people. And so for me, it was always just a matter of, you know, trying to hire people for things that either was not the highest and best use of my time, things that I, w I wasn't good at, and when I can hire people, it allows me to spend my time on the things that are higher dollar, that I love doing, that I'm good at. You know, and so by hiring our team members, it allows, it frees up my time to do the things that I really need to do that are gonna drive the business forward. So you hit on something that I actually didn't even know. Oh, hidden nugget, I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> I love this concept or just, I've been, I've been looking at it a lot and being like, wow, like how do people do that even, especially when there's so many places of the underdeveloped world or whatever that need jobs. And, and if you're tapping into places where there, there's those networks of people that are saying, I have skills and if you give me a computer, I can do it. How did you go about forming those relationships? Is that through the, the marketing program or is there another way you've been looking at as well? No, I, so with, um, I can get, I'll get fairly granular here with, with the people that I hired in the Philippines, I actually used a online job board called onlinejobs.ph that specializes in Filipino, in Filipino workers. And they have, you can hire people to do all kinds of different things, but that's where I started. So I knew that I wanted to hire somebody for this specific job. I went in there, I posted a job, I found the person, I hired them. And then once I hired them, they were out of the process. So, you know, I've always, initially I was, I was paying um, our remote team via um, PayPal. Now I actually use a service called TransferWise, um, but I look at, even though they're not employees for our company, I look at them as team members. I treat them like employees. I, because that's where I think most people go wrong with remote contractors is they treat them like crap. They think that they're, 
you know, dispen dispensable. And, you know, it's like these yeah. people are just like anybody else. They want to have a good job. They want to feel good about what they're doing. They want to be treated well, and they know that they're, want that they're going to get paid well for what they do. I, I just treat them well. And yeah. because of that, I think that we have a good relationship. I mean, one of the, the I, my web design guy has been with me for over five years. You know, I've got um, my other guy in the Philippines has been with me for, I think, close to three now. Um, and then the, the client support person that I hired and the project manager, I hired him from Croatia. With Croatia, I went through a, a site called jobrack.eu that specializes in Eastern European workers. And I will tell you what, there are some highly, highly educated and very well qualified people in Eastern Europe, and there's tons of them. So that site was, they did a great job. I told them what I needed to do, and they actually started outreach for me as part of that job post. And I think it was like two, it was between two and three hundred dollars for the job post. Wow. So, awesome. you know, it's the thing that I think is, is you have to, be really good at if you're going to work with people remotely is you have to figure out how you're going to communicate with people, you know? And so we do that, you know, our project management software helps with that. I use loom all the time, which is a screen capture software. If you're not familiar with it, yeah. loom works awesome. I use it all the time. <laughs> and then I also meet with them consistently. So meeting you know, with but, your, your team or your, yeah. Meeting. Yeah. Yeah. With our team. So, um, you know, my project manager, I meet with more consistently. Um, but the, uh, the team members that I have in the Philippines, I meet with every couple weeks, um, you know, and, and, and then you have to just give clear direction and guidance because you're not there to sit there and look over their shoulder. You have to tell them exactly what they need to do. And think, then they do it. I think that's huge with like the, um, especially when you run your own business, it's really easy to micromanage. Um, yes. And I think that that can be something that people are really fearful of when they subcontract um, because then they are essentially releasing some of that control. And when it's your baby, it's like, you don't want that. <laughs> yes. You know, but I think you have to hire, you have to hire people that you can, you know, trust people that are responsible and, you know, and so that's all goes into the hiring process. But I also think too, if you, if you can give them clear direction and you know exactly what you want them to do, you know, to me, if they're getting their work done and they're doing a good job, that's all I care about, you know, how you did it or when you did it, uh, who cares? If you can give them the freedom to do what they need to do, you're creating a really solid work environment and a place that they're going to love being a part of and a place that long term, hopefully they can create some meaning from. Okay, I have another question for you. This is the final one before we transition to our gawk portion. Sure. Um, so what advice or resources would you recommend to someone who's looking at starting out in marketing um, and like doing a marketing agency, whatever? What does that look like? I, if I was doing this all over again, I wish that I would have come across, you know, duct tape marketing sooner rather than later. And, you know, because look, I don't care what kind of business it is. We don't need to reinvent the wheel, the, the systems, the frameworks, the processes that you need to take advantage of to be successful. They're already out there. You just need to find them, you know, and so 
Duct tape marketing was a huge help for me, but there are other, you know, digital marketer is another really big one that, you know, they have all kinds of tools and, and guidance. I'm sure there are others, but find organizations like that where you can do some initial research to really try and figure out what you want to do in this space. Cause I mean, you know, look, marketing is vast. There's all kinds of different things you can do. Find those organizations that are putting out the information that, that resonates with you, that gives you some of those systems and those, those frameworks that you can use, modify them to, to work for you and be your own and, and then just start. Yeah. That's all really, really good content. And I, <laughs> I'm just excited that we got to talk with you and kind of hear about um, your journey. And so thank you for, for sharing that with us. Absolutely. Um, Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, we're going to transition into our, our sister gawk portion. And we were kind of talking beforehand about um, just like in this new age of everything being on Zoom. <laughs> and you were going to tell us about um, some experiences that you've had uh, with with zoom interruptions in the background <laughs> yes yes i think when we you know we, we um i mentioned to you guys yeah and it was circling on social media probably two or three years ago some guy that was doing an interview for a news station and in the background he, you know, it was and it was a really high level like economic talk of some kind right he's super serious <laughs> and all of a sudden the door opens and his kid starts crawling in and and the nanny comes in and you could the look on her face was just a pure horror oh my god he's in this super important interview well i think we have all had cases like that now and you know i mean i had one last week i was on call it was a networking call so it wasn't a huge deal but we're having a great conversation and I, you know, behind me, my doors are closed in my office, but they're glass doors so you can see everything. And one of my kids is right behind me, just, you know, waving to the person because they can see the other person through Zoom. And it's kind of like, hey, how you doing? What are you doing? It, it's happened multiple times. But um, fortunately, most people are so used to that now where there's a lot more grace for that actually happening now than, than ever before. Uh, or yeah. like the we were just talking about too that that power play that kids do now where they're like mom dad i'm on a meeting i'm i'm in a meeting right now because they're doing like that distance learning <laughs> and then yes like, like oh i gotta do the dishes quietly now <laughs> we you know when our our kids have gotten to the point where they're in i don't even know how they settled on this but they're not the type of kids where they're like, oh, I'm doing remote learning, so I'm just going to sit in my PJs. You know, half the time, my kids come down for breakfast and, you know, they're like in their Christmas dress. And I'm like, whoa, what are we what are we dressed up for here today? You know, I thought we were just doing remote learning. But it's like, you know, a long time ago, because I've always worked from home. That's all they've ever known. And I said to them, yeah, I mean, I don't dress super fancy, but I do get dressed. Because I always said to them, I was like, you know, if you don't get dressed, you're just not in the right frame of mind, mm -hmm. you know? And so getting dressed, even though you're working from home, just puts you in that frame of mind where you're like, yeah, okay, cool. I got to get some stuff done today. I got to work. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if it's that, that they just kind of took to heart, but sometimes they're coming down. I'm like, you are looking good today. What, what's, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we have just enjoyed hanging out with you. Tim, thank you so much for being with us. Um, we, if you guys enjoyed this episode, you should definitely leave us a review 
on Apple Podcasts, and we'll see you next week.